Hey, what's up? My name is Steven, and I lead Avenue Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, along with my wife and an incredible team. We really have a desire to see people experience God's unconditional love, find their true identity in Christ, and live out their purpose. And we would love to connect with you. You can find us on all social media platforms simply by searching Our Avenue Church. You can also check us out online by going to OurAvenueChurch.com. We really pray that something in this message inspires and equips you to experience the way of life you were created to live in Christ. Enjoy. series. We finally got out of Daniel five weeks of just trudging through, not really trudging through, but just encouraging how to um, stand strong and live well in a changing culture. And so going into um, the holiday season, the Thanksgiving and Christmas season, we're, we're wrestling between being thankful for what we have and also wanting what we want, right? Like the, my youngest daughter calls them lookbooks, Um, that's the Target and the Amazon books that come in the mail. And so she gets them and hides them under her pillow. And like, they go everywhere with her and looking to see what she can get. Back in the day, we got the Sears catalog. Anybody? Come on, let's go. And, and, And I would take days and weeks going through and circling what I wanted and then putting sticky notes on the pages and leaving that book around. So my parents just happened to pick it up. They would see what I wanted for Christmas, right? And so we're in this tension between being grateful and also, um, buying for ourselves and others. And so we're going to talk about um, a life of generosity, having a generous life. And how many of you are following the news and the lottery Powerball is up to $1.9 billion. And so I planned this generosity series specific. I'm just kidding. I had this, I had this, I had this plan like months ago, but God's good, ain't he? So I'm not, I'm not telling you to go buy a ticket. I'm not condoning that. But if you do happen to buy a ticket and you win the Powerball, we will sanctify your money with the tithe. Can I get an amen? Right? I'm just kidding. But so I was going through and, and, and reading about some past like lottery winners, and it changes things greatly, and not always for the good, right? Prophet Biggie Small says, more money, more problems, right? <laughs> but, in, but in all seriousness, reading some of these guys, their stories, people were coming out of the woodwork, and it began, hard, it, it began to get hard to trust people, because it was always like people wanted something from them. They did. They wanted some money, right? And, and if we're not careful, we can, we can pursue that, right? I'm not saying you guys, but something sometimes deep down on the inside of us wants more than what we have. And we think one of the ways to get more than what we have is to keep what we already have. Does that make sense? But actually, in the kingdom of God, it's an upside down kingdom in that one of the ways to get more of something is to give it away. Although that is not the ultimate motive. Can I get an amen? That that gospel has been preached, that if you want more, the reason that you give is so you can get more. That's not the reason that you give, and that's not the reason that we live a generous life. Living a generous life and living a forgiving life are two huge marks of a, of a believer who is maturing. So if you look in your life, 
And there is evidence of generosity and there is evidence of forgiveness to yourself, also to others. That is a mark that you are maturing. Um, Proverbs 11, 24 through 25, this is, and this comes from the message paraphrase. Um, and I just love the way that it describes this. It says, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets what? Smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. And here's what my goal is from this series. I want your world to get larger and larger. And what we have to understand is is generosity leaves an impact and a legacy that lasts beyond our time here. We can purchase things and we can build kingdoms and we can save and we can do all that. But what we do with what we have leaves the legacy. Leaves, and it's not what we buy, what we purchase, but what we give away. And so generosity is this. Generosity is showing a readiness to give more of something than is strictly necessary or expected. Generosity is giving more of something than what's expected or what is necessary. And anytime we ought, like we start talking and thinking about generosity, what do we automatically think about? Your wallet, <laughs> right? We start thinking about money. We start thinking about how much is the pastor gonna ask me to give this week, right? And a lot of times people will shy away from talking about it. But here's what I want you to understand. Um, There is a difference between, let me just say it this way. Generosity is not restricted to only money. Generosity is not restricted to only money. When we were setting up the values of our church, we have 10 values, and values direct your decisions. Your relationships in your life are super important, and then the next most important thing in your life is, other than your relationship with Jesus, right, is your values. Your relationships and your values drive your life. So here at Avenue Church, we have 10 values. The first one is we put our hope in Jesus, not in me, not in Avenue Church, not in anyone or anything else but Jesus. But then I wanted us to not just have generosity as a value when it comes from finances, because I remember being a broke college student, not having a lot of finances, but I heard the preacher talking about being generous, and I was literally living out of a vending machine sometimes. Didn't have a lot of money to be generous with. And so one of our values is we are generous with our gifts. We are generous with our gifts. And, and, and this thought comes from 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. It says, we are generous with our gifts. Here's why. We are generous with our gifts because God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. We're generous with our gifts. God's given each one of us a gift from the great variety of gifts. And here's why he's given them to us. Use them well to serve who? God and one another. See, what we have, the gifts that we have, whether it's finances, times, special abilities, spiritual gifts, they're not just for us. They're to serve each other with and to serve them well. Give more of something than what is expected, and immediately our mind goes to money. We have to be generous with our money, and it's really hard to be generous with our money. But do you know that that of everything that you have, money is probably the most renewable resource that you have. 
And so in all reality, when we're looking at, at being generous, money should be the easiest at times. Because it's the most renewable resource that you have. Energy, we have to give of our energy sometimes. It's a renewable resource as well. You know what's not renewable is our time. That's the most valuable resource that you have. It's not your money. It's not your energy. It's not necessarily your gifts. But the time that you have and what you do with it, are you living generously with your time? First Peter goes on in chapter 4, verse 11, the next verse. He says, do you have the gift of speaking? then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. So now, now Peter is gonna list some of the gifts. And he says, if you have the gift of speaking, do it well. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and all the energy that God supplies to you. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. This is all glory and power to him forever and ever, amen. We all have gifts. We all have things that God has given us that we can be generous with. Look at your neighbor and say, you got a gift. Some of us have more than one. Some of us, we have financial gifts. God has blessed us with the ability to manage and steward money well. Some of us have, and well, probably fewer of us than what we like to think, have more time. God's given us the ability to manage and store time, so we may have a resource of time. Energy, maybe some of us have, as, as Peter is saying, the ability to serve, the ability to speak. What are we doing with those gifts? Are we just keeping them, or are we being generous with them? Um, everyone has something to give. And if you don't know what your spiritual gift is, Maybe you've been attending for a while and you've heard us talk about it. You don't know. Guess what? We can help you find out next door in starting point. Come on, right? Because I want us all to understand we all have something we can be generous with. And sometimes we look at what we have as not enough and not valued and not wanted. And it can be something so small as this. This sounds silly, but I've never forgotten this. When I was... Uh, like four to seven years old before he passed away, we would go and see my great uncle Casey. And this is when we lived in a small village in, in McNary County called Mickey, Tennessee. Okay, like super small. And he lived down the road in, in, in like a camper. It was a pop-up camper. He was 85, 86 years old. This is where he lived. And my dad and I would go and see him and spend time with him. And I didn't really enjoy it, to be honest, as a kid. It's like, there was no TV. He just sat there. We just talked. He listened. But every time I left, guess what he did? He gave me something. And I've never forgotten that. And it wasn't anything important. Like, sometimes it would be an orange or maybe some peppermints. And it's like, like Uncle Casey, do you not have any good candy? Come on. Like, peppermints, who wants those? That's the leftover trash candy at Halloween, right? Tootsie Rolls and, 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 and peppermints. <laughs> I, eat, I try to eat all the good stuff, right? But my kids hide the good stuff and leave me the Tootsie Rolls. Um, and then maybe even like a pencil from the bank. <laughs> it's like, what am I going to do with this? But I've not forgotten that time that I spent with him remembering the little things that he gives us. And so we all have something. And he didn't have to do that. And he didn't do that because it was going to change my life, right? He did that because that was just the generosity that was in his heart. And so I want to ask us this question, what can we give generously now? 
What can you generously give now? Looking at your life, looking at your resources, your time, your energy, your finances, your gifting, what can you give generously now? What can you give generously now? We always think we have to wait. We have to wait. And here's why we have to wait. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Next few weeks, we're going to be looking a lot at 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9. And, and Paul is writing this letter to the church of Corinth, and he's actually writing it in Macedonia, which is another, another um, area. And, and he's writing this specific part of the letter to the church in Corinth and helping them to be generous to raise funds for the believers in Jerusalem. And this is what he says. He says, I now want you to know, he's speaking to the church in Corinth in chapter eight, verses one. He says, I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the church in Macedonia. And this is, you know, Philippi and Thessalonica. He says, they are being tested by many troubles and they are very poor, but they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed enriched generosity. He's saying, look, I want to tell you about these, these churches in Macedonia. Man, they're being pressed. They're poor, but their joy is just full and their generosity is overflowing. Here's what we have to remember. Generosity is not restricted to only seasons of abundance. Generosity is not restricted to only seasons of abundance. Like we see this guy or this 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 family or whoever wins this Powerball, $1.9 billion as of tomorrow. And if they take the lump sum, that's around $760 million after taxes and fees and all that stuff. We look at situations like that, or maybe you're, you're, you're early on in your career and you think you have to save all of this money and get to a season of abundance before you can be generous. Or maybe you have a skill set and you think you have to perfect that skill set before you can be generous with that skill set or that giftedness. And maybe you think, well, once the kids like get out of high school and get out of college and get married and finally move out of the house and I have all this extra time, then I can be generous with my time. You can start being generous now. When our funds grow, when our, our, our time grows, when we become more proficient in our skills and abilities, guess what? We get to be more generous. But we have to start being generous with what we have now so that we can be more generous later on. Generosity is not restricted to seasons of abundance. And it says this, all right, let's go back. It says, they are tested by troubles and are poor, but they are filled with abundant joy and overflowed in generosity. Paul does a whole lot of talking, guys, throughout his letters about being tested with trials, right? We read it over and over and over in the epistles, and he says being tested, and when you're being tested, that, that your character has an opportunity to grow, you're perfected. And I always read that, and maybe you read it too. I read that a lot of times as thinking, like, I'm going to take a test, and I'm either going to pass or I'm going to fail, Right? It's like something's going to happen in life and I'm either going to please God or I'm going to disappoint God, right? But if you think about it along the lines of like a chemical test, when you take chemistry and you're trying to find out the compounds and the elements of matter and you put it through all these different tests, whether you, you boil it, whether you melt it, whether you 
you know, hydrochloric acid, you do all these tests, guess what you're trying to do? You're trying to find out what the internal components are, what's on the inside. And that's what Paul is saying is actually happening to the church in Macedonia. They are being tested, being squeezed to find out what's on the inside. And guess what is on the inside of them? Overflowing joy and generosity. See, generosity, when we have an opportunity to be generous, that is actually an opportunity for us to be tested to see what's on the inside of us. It's not a pass or fail. Some of us look at opportunities to be generous, like I'm gonna pass this, I'm gonna fail this, I'm gonna get it right, I'm gonna get it. It's actually an opportunity to see what you're made of, to see what's on the inside of you. Let's, let's keep, keep going. Um, ask this question. What's keeping you from being generous now? First question is, what do you have that you can be generous with now? But what is it that's keeping you from being generous now? And I know we're getting into the holiday seasons and man, it's like we got families to go visit, gas is expensive, you know, we have to bring something to the family meal, we have to purchase gifts, electricity bill goes up, gas bill. So we look at all these things financially and we think, can I be generous now? And then we look at our schedules we're going to be traveling. We've got basketball games. We've got jobs. We've got to, like all these things. Am I going to be able to be generous with my time? What is keeping you from being generous now? Um, is it energy? Is it our money? Not thinking we have enough. However, the holiday drinks just came out at Starbucks. And I know some of you may be spending a little bit more money at Starbucks than what you have been. Hello, Chestnut Praline, right? Um, actually, my drink was the gingerbread latte. Does anybody remember that from like five years ago? We need to get a petition to bring it back, but I digress, okay? Where, here's what I realize keeps me from being generous to those around me, whether it's with my time, my finances, my energy, my gifts. It's waste. It's waste. If I look back, a lot of what I could have given away or generous, I've wasted I've wasted time doing things that were completely insignificant. I've wasted money on too many coffees or whatever. I've wasted energy staying up too late, scrolling through the news or watching one more episode of that show on Netflix. Just one more and then I'm going to bed, right? But we waste our energy. Don't elbow the person beside you, right? We waste things that we could be generous with. Would you agree? That prevents us. And I think another thing for me is, is fear and insecurity. God's given me certain gifts. He's given you certain gifts. And, and we think a lot of times we have to have it perfected before we can have an influence and be generous with it on those around us. We have to start now. So what do you have that you can be generous with now? And what is keeping you from being generous now? And, and, and I want you to understand, let's go back and read um, verses eight and nine again. He says, he says this. He says, I'm not commending you. Actually, this is the first time we're reading it. He says, I'm not commanding you to do this. So Paul is saying, look, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not commanding you to be generous. The church in Macedonia has been generous. I'm not commanding you to be generous. But he says, I am testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. Now I want to lean into this. I'm testing how genuine your love is. Now think about what's happening here. 
Paul is in Macedonia writing to a church in Corinth. They are what we see in scripture. There are Jews and there are what? Gentiles. So he is writing to Gentiles, asking them to give to Jewish believers. And if you know anything about the relationship between the Jews and the Gentiles, it's not a cordial one most of the time. Even though they are both believers and following Jesus, you have the Jews who are following Jesus and you have the Gentiles who are now believers. And, and Paul is, is looking to the Gentiles and say, look, our brothers in Jerusalem, our sisters in Jerusalem, they need our generosity. And it can be real easy to say that you love someone and you will act lovingly someone as long as it's someone that you actually like. But when it's someone that you dislike, that's a little bit harder. And Jesus teaches and talks about that all throughout the Gospels, right? And so what we have to understand is, is when we look at this, and he says, I'm testing. Remember what I talked about a moment ago. A test is not whether pass or fail. It's seeing what's really inside of you. And Paul is saying, look, I want to see how genuine your love is. So I'm going to test you. Are you going to act in generosity? Because here's the truth in this is that generosity is a byproduct of genuine love. That the motive behind generosity should be propelled by a genuine love. And where does that come from? How do we see that? Jesus actually talks about this in Luke chapter 10. Very familiar story for most of us. Luke chapter 10, um, verses 25 through 30. Jesus has just finished teaching. And one of the religious leaders are sitting there and they ask Jesus a question. It's like, what is the greatest commandment? And it's like to love the Lord your God with everything that's within you, with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength, with everything. And then the second is like it. It is to love your neighbor, how? As yourself. And so then this religious leader, he thought he was gonna catch Jesus in a trap and corner him. He says, well, okay, okay, Rabbi, well, who is my neighbor. Who is my neighbor? And so Jesus goes to tell this parable, and we know it as the story of the Good Samaritan, right? And he says, Jesus replied with this story. He said, a Jewish man was traveling. This is Luke chapter 10, verse 33 through 37. It says, a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits, and they stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him for dead beside the road. And by chance, verse 31, a priest came along, a pastor came along, a religious leader came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. The guy beaten up was a Jewish man. The priest was a Jewish man saw him beaten up and passed by him on the road. Verse 32, a little while later, a temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. That always gets me. It's like the temple leaders, church staff, walks over to him, looks at him, and the guy is probably coherent, looks up and sees the temple leader looking at him, and then walks to the other side of the road. So he at least walked over to look at him, whereas the priest just walked on by. But let's see what the third person does. And we know this. Then a, what's that next word? Despised. Doesn't say good. We know it as the story of the good Samaritan. But Jesus says that he is despised. That tells you the relationship between the Samaritans 
and the Jews. A despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan smoothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to the inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him to take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which one of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked? And the man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Read this a thousand times. And we see it as understanding who our neighbor is, but it's also a perfect picture of generosity motivated by love according to Jesus' teachings. He says this, he says that the despised Samaritan came along when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan stopped, soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. He could have stopped there. His own kind didn't even do that. So he went above and beyond what his own people did. Would you agree? He could have stopped there, but he didn't stop there. He says, then he put the man on his own donkey and he took him to the inn and took care of him. He could have stopped there. Would you say that was generous? He could have stopped there, but he didn't stop there. Instead, he got up the next day and he handed the innkeeper some more money and says, if this doesn't cover it all, I will be back to pay the rest of the bill. He went above and beyond because here's what I realize even in my life sometimes. Um, Generosity is not restricted to those that we like. Generosity is not restricted to what we have. It's not just money. Generosity is not restricted to abundance. And generosity is not restricted just to those that we like. Jesus is very clear that, that we're not just to love those that are like us. Even the pagans do that. But he says, we're to love those that that even don't like us. We're to to love our enemies who hate us. And when we do that, you are perfect just as your father in heaven is perfect. So ask us this question, who have we withheld generosity from? That we've had opportunities to be generous and we didn't because we didn't like them. Maybe we had a stereotypical perspective view of them. You know, I've, and I probably said it, I know I probably have, and I remember hearing my parents say it, someone that needed help, we would say, and we didn't like that person, or maybe they offended us, they wronged us, I wouldn't even give them the, what, your time of day, has anybody ever heard that, no, (laughs) no, I wouldn't even get, I figured you were saying it quietly because you were ashamed, right? <laughs> right? But there have been times where, like we've said, I wouldn't even give that person the time of day. It's like if that person walked past you and asked what time it was, you wouldn't tell them. I know that's extreme and, and we would not do that, but that's the attitude that gets hidden in our heart sometimes, right? Is that we won't be generous with someone because they've wronged us, they've hurt us, they're not like us, they have a different political view than us. They have a different skin color than us. They have a different accent. We have these built up stereotypes in our mind. And even at times, I'm guilty. We see someone on the street and we look the other way because we think, well, if I'm generous, they're just gonna go and blow it, right? And and here's what the Holy Spirit convicted me on years ago. It's like, 
you're not responsible for what they do with your generosity. You're responsible with what you do with your generosity. You're not responsible with what they do with your generosity. You're responsible with what you do, Stephen, with your generosity. And so in this season, like, let's, let's open our eyes to the possibilities to be generous around, not for the sake of getting something more. That is a byproduct, but that's not the motive. That generosity is a byproduct of genuine love. And it's, here's, here's the thing. It's like, I'm not commanding you to do this, but I'm testing how genuine your love is by your eagerness to give. You can't love, really, without being generous. You really can't have generous love without being, or genuine love without being generous. Now, you might can be generous without being loving, just to go, right? But you cannot be loving without having a generous life with our time, with our gifting, with our energy, with our finances. And here's why. Paul says this, guys. He says, you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. It says, though he was rich, he became poor for your sakes, so that by his poverty, you could be made rich. Even generosity in the Lord's sacrifice was a byproduct of his love for us. And we know John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he, what guys? Gave. And so many times, like I've heard pastors use that during the offering, <laughs> right? That is abuse of the scripture. And they use the scripture of whatever you give will be given back to you, shaken down, running over into your lap, right? That's not just finances. It's talking about forgiveness. That's talking about compassion. That's whatever we are generous with returns to us. That's not the motive. That's the byproduct. The motive is love genuine love because Christ gave sacrificially and lavishly for us. A couple of weeks, I'm going to talk about receiving generosity because sometimes that's hard too, right? It's hard for me. It's pride. Get there. But for some of us in this room, it's, it's hard for us to receive the generosity of the sacrifice that's been made for us the forgiveness that we receive, like, like the forgiveness is completely free. The work has already been done. Now we've, we've got a responsibility to, to repent and not just turn from our sins, but to turn to God. That's what that is. But we can come open-handed before the Father and receive the generous love and forgiveness and purpose. Like it's all, he just gives because he's good not because we deserve it, not because we've earned it, because of who he is. And so let me pray for us. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with the Father, and maybe it's guilt or shame or insecurity, I don't know where you're at, what you wrestle with, don't feel like you deserve his generosity, there is absolutely nothing that you can do to deserve it. I love the Old Testament scripture that says he, he didn't choose you because you were great. He didn't choose you because you were the smallest. He chose you simply because he loves you and that's you today. 
And if you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus or, or, or maybe you're a Christian, but you don't know God like you should, I wanna pray for you. And so I wanna invite you, if you just lift your hand so that I know who I'm praying for, then you're gonna pray there at your seat. Awesome. I'm gonna pray for us as a church, as individuals, that we would walk in generosity, that it would be a byproduct of genuine love. So Father, I just come to you this morning and I thank you um, so much for your goodness. God, I thank you for your mercies that are made new each and every single morning. God, your love that is, is never ending. And God, if there's anyone in this room today that, that needs to experience that forgiving love, that um, empowering love, that emboldening love, God, that right now where they're seated, God, they're, they're having a conversation with you where they're saying, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Jesus, I give you my life. They're acknowledging your lordship over their life. That whatever guilt or shame they brought to this place, God, I pray that, that it stays here, it's removed. Your word says that, that all those who are in Christ are a new creation. All the old is gone and all things are made new. And God, I pray that they would take the next step boldly with what you're doing in their life. And God, for us as a church, as individuals, we look at what we have and, and we think we can't be generous because we don't, we're not in a season of abundance or we don't recognize what we have or, or maybe you've given us opportunities to be generous and we've not just because of, of stereotypes and, and hurts and pains and, and just different things, God, that, that, that we would walk in generosity as a byproduct of the genuine love that we've experienced from you and that you call us to have for those around us. And Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Hey, listen, we say...